I mean, when I think that I spent all that time in Boston, I also lived in New York City at the uh, Gramercy Park Hotel and the, um, what's that other Gorham. one? The, yeah, the Gorham, but I mean, before all that. The Plaza. The Plaza. Plaza. Yeah, Regis. we used to stay in the Well, Regis. the cars still live up there. Uh, yeah. Okasik and those guys. I signed that band at Electra. Yeah. I remember I signed them uh, at the top of the Hyatt along the Charles River sure. there. I got them all up there one Fred afternoon Lewis. with Fred Lewis. Brian Rohan. Uh, who, and and uh, Brian Rohan. Let's <laughs> 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 talk about Rohan. Let's <laughs> <laughs> rug lawyer to the stars. Yeah. Hey, I had him with the Grateful Dead. I signed the Grateful Dead. And he and Graham for a while managed them. Now, you want to talk about blind leading blind, the dead who were, who were in Space City. They set me up to deal with with bands in the 70s, because after the dead, uh, you were talking hallucinogenics, which in, a, in the middle of a conversation, you would slip from from fantasy to, from reality to fantasy. The dead, what's that that he... Uh, he represents? made the deal with Gaffin. Oh, I see. So it was after the Krebs days. Yeah, well... Yeah. <clears throat> like and then getting out yeah. of the Krebs And then he... Uh, was he uh, involved in that, getting out of Krebs, though? I think he sat in at one meeting. Yeah, because yeah. he ain't the best at that. No. He's the best at schmoozing yeah. and making a deal, yeah. you know, and saying, ah, give me, and whining, you know, right. give me another point, uh, yeah, another 20,000. Well, that's, but you want to talk about tough, about getting tough with a guy. That's that's not what he does best. But he is trying to get himself into some, do you still see him at all, or do you have anything to do with him? He's, he sued him. Oh, He sued him, and then we just settled with oh, him. Oh, he sued you. Yeah, we settled with him, and he took the money and went to Africa on a safari. A surfing safari. Well, you would want that to happen, wouldn't you? Right. <laughs> if it's your money, you'd want somebody to get some pleasure from you. <laughs> or in this case, you wanted to pay hospital bills <laughs> for, the, for the things. I want to talk about that period of time uh, where it seemed like it would never end. I mean, we're from the record company standpoint, no matter what we did, uh, champagne, shrimp cocktails, limousines, T-shirts satin jackets, we made more money the next year. No matter how stupid it was, mm-hmm. what we were doing, private planes, outfitting planes. Do you guys remember, was it a blur then? You know, because you, here you were, one of the, the prime examples of, of what it was in the 70s. Do you, what comes through to you now as you look back on it? I see a lot of scenes, a lot yeah. of different scenes, but it's hard to put it in chronological order. No, not in chronological, but what, what jumps you know, out at you? <clears throat> well, that's what I mean. It's yeah. confusing. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, that's why in my mind, it's like I, I think of like, oh, we did this, but was that in 1976 or was it 75? You know what I mean? That's, that's why yeah. it's confusing. But not but, even in chronological order. You know, just what did, did we do something crazy? Did, uh, one of the scenes I yeah. saw and felt was it was so big, the record company was so big that even when there were times when this was too much and that was too much, I always got the feeling that that the corporation was so big that as much as I thought we were getting at any given time, and it was a lot of money, I still knew that if I was getting that much, I was only getting 10 cents and they were getting the rest of the dollar. I mean, I just always felt that without even knowing it, as in the oblivion land that I was with the drugs and so forth. I always just felt that and knew that. And as, as, as good as they were, because... You got to remember that I started. I went to MGM, uh, 65, 66, carrying an amp and a drum on my back, you know, uh, in the in the uh, express elevator and going up to an office just like this, and setting up out in the hallway. That's where we would go, and that's how that's how we would audition. 
We did it for MGM and for CBS. I don't think any of those people remember, but we had stuff out. That was one of three you... Uh, no, this was, was before. Just you, just you before. Before Aerosmith. So you re- what you remember then is being angry at, uh, during yeah, this period. Yeah, yeah, I was Somebody little... was, was scoring off of you. Uh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. And then uh, we had a record out on Sire Productions, which was Richard Goddard and Seymour Stein, yeah. called The Sun. And uh, off the record, um, I had heard that it was a big hit in Europe. Um, and then uh, two years later, two years later, my mother t- said, uh, she sent me a copy of it. It was called La Soul. Oh, yeah? And sure enough, it was. I mean, it was yeah. big enough to be printed. Over here, it just didn't... Yeah. It went as far as... Uh, but but during that <clears throat> period, what, what your recollection is that you were angry that somebody was making, even though you make a lot of money, somebody was making more money. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Early Aerosmith days. Yeah. I wasn't. I don't know if I was so much angry, but it was always put forth to me that you were going to make this and this and this. And I kept saying, "Well, how much do we make for an al- on an album on any given? If it's selling for seven fifty, we're arguing over a percentage of a dollar." I just could never dawn on me, which is an, another one of the reasons I probably got uh, so schlamiel. I went, "Fuck it, look, let, it, let them take care of it." Uh, we had a limousine at the last gig, all as well. It was a time also of outrageous demands. I mean, if the, if the Chateau Lafitte Rothschild wine wasn't the right year backstage, then Ronnie Delson got the shit beat out of him or something like that. Do you, do you recall some outrageous demands that you guys made? Into limos? Real like, meat. Yeah. Well, I, I remember at the CBS convention, we wanted to, uh, they wanted us to come and present, I guess it was a platinum thing, with a, it was the CBS convention, I forgot what year it was, but they... Wanted to present all the salesmen, uh, sales reps, or something across the country, with um, platinum records, and they wanted Stephen and I to go. And I remember saying, "Well, if we're going to go, we're going to have a good time." They wanted us for the weekend. Everybody was staying at the Century City, and uh, let's see, Rick Derringer's band was playing. They just wanted us to say thank you and all that. And I remember saying, "Well, we stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel, you know, or we're not coming." That's all we said, you know. I mean, and of course, Krebs went through did whatever he had to do to get us there, and we were the only people that stayed there. Everybody else stayed at Century City. And then then uh, I just remember the, the liquor tab coming to about $5,000 because it was a 24-hour party for three days, you know, 72 hours of just staying up and inviting all the bands over, that you know, over from the other place, inviting them over, and just um, the waiters just having, like, uh, you know, a bucket brigade of room service trays and wine and, and you know, full bar, constantly full, and it was great, and I mean, it was very low stress for us having to ask people, because all we did was say, this is what we want, and that was it. Did anybody, uh, was there anything you guys couldn't get? What I always found with Rock Axe is that nobody ever said no, management, record company, booker, promoter, nobody ever, was there anything that... That you could ask for it. Anything ever got turned up? I got to tell you, I was always so I was surprised when we got into the thick of stardom in the seventies. Uh, I found that the most outrageous things I asked for, would have thought of asking for, had already taken place the week before with some other group, and maybe not even the story that I heard didn't happen from somebody in the group or in the entourage, or but from one of the promoters' peoples that provided the stuff or the activity. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't always such a uh, wow, they did this? Um, you know, it was something that had happened 
it was harder to do something that hadn't happened. <laughs> you had to go find like, something. You know, let's get yeah. a helicopter. <laughs> something crazy. <clears throat> I remember uh, J.D. Souther, who wasn't making it, used to want a limousine to take him from one hotel to the other hotel. He'd keep a suite in two hotels. Yeah. <laughs> so on the I, road? Yeah, I found out. I found out about it in New York, you know, and uh, almost had him hung out there or something. Like that. It's huh. crazy. Yeah, it it appeared to be. Uh, well, were you guys involved in room trashing at all? Any of that? A lot. Some, yeah. Yeah. But it was. I mean, it wasn't like just to do it to see it. I think a lot of the stuff we did. We, we weren't doing it because it said we did it in the paper the week before. Like, a lot of bands would get into this thing where they got to top their press, yeah, you yeah. know? And it, if, it was, if it was something like that, it was because we got in a fight, or if it was... And looking back, we got some good press out of it, but it wasn't constructed like that, like some bands do it. So, uh, you know, we trashed a few hotel rooms, but it was when, when it had a purpose, you know? I was into the... I can remember the height of my oblivion. <clears throat> I was into doing things just because I could. I would go in and think nothing of tipping a whole room, you know, the long spread, just because, and I would be so livid and explicit, no turkey roll. In other words, if you take the slice, you see the bubbles in it, it's plastic, and I'd think, you know, just give us a turkey. No gravy, no stuffing, just real meat. No hockey pucks, no mystery meat, just a turkey. And I would come in after coming off stage, and I would, you know, have... Uh, 12 ounces of Jack in me and a half a gram and sweating profusely and I would see that tray and I would look over and I would go and just turn the thing right over. And that would feel good to me. That felt real good. Did you see Spinal Tap? Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, a weird thing about that movie, that movie bummed me out because I, I, as I sat there through it, I thought, how dare they? That's all real and they're mocking it. Yeah. That's weird. what I thought right sure off. Was what weird. the fuck, man? Yeah, that does happen. I, I took it too, yeah. too to heart. It was, you know, you know so those those those, like... those Porsche watches that someone started in the band. Yeah. It was cool to have the black Porsche watch. Seven hundred dollars at what store in New York? I don't know. I got mine in Paris. That's when I first saw it. I mean, I got this yeah. first. Yeah. It's amazing. This is the only thing I got left, except a little bit of sanity yeah. from the seventies. <laughs> You're looking at it. We got this in France. It's a uh, it's a Cartier, and I almost bought the one that was yeah. twisted. It was a Dolly, and I oh, thought, yeah. wow, that looks the way I feel. Yeah. But I got this instead. And but those black watches, the Porsche watch, seven hundred and fifty dollars. I went through like nine of them. Because I would take it, it would be by the side of the bed, and I would get pissed off and wing it. And, and I just remember being on the edge so much, so much that it would just to trash something really quick. And even that didn't satisfy it. It was off to do it again somewhere else. But it was, uh, you know, what was the question again? Well, no, we were just talking the about room these, service. these wacko things that everybody did, and the spinal tap. Which, uh, when they went in and asked for the food, and it wasn't the right kind of food, and the guy went <laughs> berserk, and you tell me about the turkey oh, to bump the whole table. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, why, why, why did everybody get, was it the mood of the times? Did you ever reflect on it? How, how yeah. does all that happen? Here we are, ten years later, an absolute different attitude. Absolute different attitude. But. Well, being 20, 24 years old, I never thought. I never thought this would be a career. I mean, sitting here now, it doesn't feel right to me to be... I never thought I'd make it past 30 to do it, doing this. It was like... That was the thing that I came up with the most, is like, you're never planning ahead for the future. I mean, you'd think about, like, two months ahead, maybe. Yeah, that would be it. I was going to ask you. And it's like, 
we never planned ahead. It was like, I mean, it was a combination of being able to take drugs and, and also, like, seeing people go up and down so much, you know what I mean? And look at some of those early Beatle interviews, you know, Ringo wanted to open a hairdressing salon if he could get enough money from the Beatles, you know? And that kind of attitude, I think, prevails with a lot of young people that, you know, like, I dropped out of school and I didn't really think I was going to do much else, you know? And it's so great, we're making some money right now. So that's it, you know, let's have some fun with it. And that was pretty much it. Tell me, with, with all the, the wackiness and all the, the Jack and the Grams and all that how did this affect your music? You guys had started as musicians, and that's what you wanted to be. You slept your amp up in the thing. What, <clears throat> could, you, could you come down from all this to really get into your music? And, uh, come down from what? The I mean, from all this craziness that was going on, because you can't live that way in a studio all the time. That's, that's work. I'll tell you something, man. It was a way of life. It was the next tour. It was, I mean, it was a running joke about rolling over and dialing room service. I lived that for 10 years. I got home and I would dial zero for room service. Or what is their number for room service? You know, so many times it was you know, called the front your, desk. In your, in your home, you know. It was that lunacy that was the farthest. I, I based my life on the tour. From my parents' relationship to who I was fucking at the time. The, the most, the, whatever, whatever I had my talons into, I was holding on to for dear life, whether it was a hotel or whatever, but the farthest they went in was the tour. The eight months or nine months that was scheduled for a tour, that's how what I based my life on. How much toothpaste to get for the tour? Do I have my luggage? Where's Joe? I mean, that's what my, for years, that was it. What about the what music? What room is Joe in? Was anybody the guiding light in the music, or was it the two of you, or was it uh, Hamilton? Or was it, who, who well, I was think we wrote most. Steve and I wrote most yeah. of the songs that yeah. that drove it along. Everybody threw it in, yeah. but you know it was like our feedback with the audience that I mean we started to figure out what worked. You know what I mean? And whether it was conscious or subconscious, we started to figure out what went down good live, and then uh, and Jack Douglas helped translate that and get it to sounding like records and stuff, you know, but we, we always, from the time I met Stephen, I learned about songwriting and dynamics and stuff and, you know, playing in clubs and we made noise. We affected people with our music. And you, you know, were sane enough to, to think about that, about what went down and... Well, that was, again, that was the thing that just held us, held us together and kept, it, kept us going was the live shows, getting it out there and playing, you know, and it was... I don't think I ever could figure out what it was that, that got our, our music on the radio. I, th I thought it was just the fact that we had so many fans from playing live, you know, that wanted a visible piece of Aerosmith, let's listen to it, you know. What is it, what is it like standing in front of thousands and thousands of people every night screaming and hollering? I mean, does it, does it wear off and is it just going to work or is it? I don't think it ever wears off. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> you still get that excitement every time. I honestly think that if you really broke it down to an equation, the feeling I got when I first came to Joe with a song, and he said, oh yeah, well, lick, dig this, and I went, whoa, and I said, yeah, then we can do this, and he said, yeah, and then he, we can cap capture it all up, get back to the beginning and go out, and here was a song, and I had a guy that I could sit down and make patty cakes with, like a friend when you were a kid, you went to the yeah. park, and where's the sandbox, and you go over, and there's some guy, and your mommy brings you over, and you first year like this and the next thing you know you're playing with this and it'd be compatible and then from that the feeling that you get from playing that song becomes like a, to me a little uh, atmosphere of its own 
And I always remember uh, New York was the hardest place to break. Of course, all the rest were were, were, were pretty hard, but they, they fell into it, you know? Once we got rocking up on stage and they saw us, it, they got into it other places other than New York. New York was really hard, and I started trying to dissect it. Why not? Why aren't they digging us? What am I doing wrong? Is my, am I not drunk enough? Uh, am I not loose enough? They're feeling something. And, and in, uh, in doing that, in analyzing that situation in New York, I kind of came to realize that, uh, that it was a vibe that Joe Perry and I, and the band, created. It was the same vibe of Rattlesnake Shake. That God damn it, when we felt that vibe, and we were creating that, it was magnetic. If you were a kid, and you were in the audience, or not even a kid, my mother, people, they just, wow, what is that? They don't know what, you don't know what it is, but it's like, and I still can't explain what it is, but it's a feeling, it's an atmosphere, but it's magnetic, and it's, it's something that, uh, that, it's something that I know is true, and you know why? Because I've seen bands that look pretty, and were this and that, but didn't have it. It was empty. It was like a good-looking can, and you, th there was a top on it when you lifted it up. It was like a Campbell's can. The bottom was empty. The cat had gotten into it. And what good is it to throw it away? To me, ridiculous, but that's how I know there's some validity to what I'm saying with that feeling and the quantity or the whatever, the quality of it, because I've seen it before where it hasn't been there, and I went, God, that's too bad. And you you were charged when you went Charged, to like an electricity, like a th with goose pimples yeah. and all, man, that... I don't know. It wasn't like, because I think back and it wasn't so much, I mean, I never sit and like really, sometimes I warm up before I go on stage to play guitar. You know, I know that like technically I'm not that that good, but there's some kind of a vibe that I have to get into in my head, whether I have the guitar in my hand or not, that I know that the band puts together or we get going. And I know that when we would get going, a lot of times it would be, well, we have to, have to drink to, to get that vibe, to feel that good. Because if, if we felt good, we could make other people feel good. If we're getting off on our music, they're going to get off on it. So I think that as you listen to the records, as you go down through the years for us, it definitely got diluted, and we started to lose sight of it. I can remember just trying to see how screwed up we could get before we'd walk on stage, see if we could just get away it. with it. Yeah, you know, it. I mean, there's times you'd be, you'd be on your knees, literally, trying to find blow. You know, I'd get up there and see how much I could drink. I mean, ridiculous stuff. You know, towards the late seventies, and I, I mean, Greg, I can't even. Greg Allman used to just throw up and just walk yeah. out on stage. Yeah. So, yeah. I know it did. It did suffer in the end. You know, it's the, that little picture, that little window of what we were all about, kept on getting dimmer and dimmer. You know. I want so to talk about that. I, I have a video we made with the Eagles once before there was any place to play it, but the camera followed them out of the dressing room into the tunnel. And, garden or someplace like that and you could see the crowd with the matches lit and, and that stuff and the camera was right at the back of the band and as they came out and the announcer said and now that and it's kind of a roar god I, I get goosebumps when I I just even think of that scene that, and, and I went on the road with enough bands that, to see it but for you to step up on that stage that charge had to be a drug in itself. I That's guess. another thing, that feeling that I said you get from that yeah. song. Yeah. <clears throat> you're not alone. Once you build up a following, it's yeah. like each song, they know it. You go into it, Joe plays one little line. Yeah. Tom plays do 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 It's the beginning of Sweet Emotion, of course, but the whole place knows it, and it's... It's, it's that 
I don't even say I can't say it because I don't know what it is. It's, it's the charisma, the, 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 but I don't think. Well, something I, more I, than that. I, it's I, like they're trying to find out nowadays the Russians, and, and I guess for the longest time they're trying to find out there's a kinetic energy. There's something that they know. So why can certain people sit down and say, my car's getting broken into right now, and Tim, your brother, I, whatever. They feel that. There's something there. That well, we I just, saw you just guys a couple on. of times, and uh, you did, there was a level that your crowds got into that were not there with a lot of other big bands that were traveling around. And I saw it, I think, with Led Zeppelin a few years before that. Mm. Uh, something happened when they came on stage, but something happened. It was a, you very had a, a very strong identity with an audience, uh, with your audience. Let me tell you, when I saw Led Zeppelin, it was the second show. They played at uh, um, Tea Party in Boston. I sat on the floor, so did everybody else, and I cried. I cried for, God, a half hour, 45 minutes. There was that dum and just the, the whole thing. There was something in the room. Yeah, some, something the happened music. with them. That, that it's very rare. It would happen. A lot of big bands out there playing and crowds coming, but you could feel when there was an identity uh, and, a, and an audience felt that they were there with you. And, and you guys really had that. Uh, one of the very few American bands that have that. The God, English there's... seemed to be able to. Obviously, the, the bands that had preceded you, the Who and the, and the Stones, and some of those had it because they were legendary. They had started it almost, you know, back mm -hmm. in the '60s. They preceded you by five or six years. But as I think American there's a, there's band, a magic there with uh, harmonics and <coughs> music. It's like fifths, uh, Gregorian chants. There's some kind of uh, there's something in there with how you put it over and the way the music sounds. That is, it's ethereal, it's everything, it's, 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 there's something there, there's something there, it's like, you can't see it, but there's something there, oh, yeah. it's, well, it's, it's like, uh, I used to feel it in church. It's emotional, it's emotional, emotional. And, and you cannot quantify it, mm. and you cannot really put a tag on it, it makes it or it doesn't make Frank Sinatra walks on a stage and starts to move with his left hand, and people are charged with all kinds of memories come out of their life with songs that he sings, somehow the man... Yeah. sings a lyric and, and obviously music does that different kinds of music do that people go hear uh, Itzhak Perlman play the violin and somehow the crowd just but it's it's rare it's not all over the place mm. were you guys easy marks to get nailed in that drug culture or was it any sense of innocence that you came out of it uh, why uh, when you came out of Boston and, and got out in that world why did it hit you so hard they were all, obviously they were all over the place and a lot of people involved but it seemed you guys were, were real victims of it. And we, well we grew up in the 60s a lot you know and I mean a lot of what we our values formed you know being like 15 to 18 19 in the 60s when you know it was the whole drug movement was happening you know we were tripping it a lot and being cool and rebelling and not wanting to drink you know and take drugs to I mean, it was a convenient thing to say that it was, uh, you know, it was part of our subculture, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think it made it easier and co cooler, you know what I mean, to try it. I mean, the beat generation and reading all those books about it being cool to smoke. 
Anybody ever try to discourage you at all? Anybody try to say, hey, you're, you're crazy? Not, no. not from our end yeah. of it. I mean, not as far as our business. I mean, our parents, obviously. But well, no, parents, I know. But you know, but uh, no. There was no, such we a, were, there was, when we were growing up, there was a line that was here and there, the black and white. The whites were straight and fucking stupid. I mean, get a haircut. I mean, walking around with crew cuts and join the army and your parents. I mean, it was just, it was just so wrong and dumb. They weren't, they were like a closed box. Everybody was like this. Women never show their tits. Don't say fuck you. Don't curse. Do your homework. And what what does this mean? What is not? So, you know? And it was the end and the kids. And I didn't have a cool grandfather or I mean a cool uncle, like some some kids had. And if you wanted, and and what you couldn't get, you could get with a pill. And our whole generation from the '60s was was be cool, be a, you know. And you guys were victimized. You know, probably more than most. Uh, there were a lot that were worse than you that aren't, aren't around anymore. But uh, when you heard about Aerosmith, and you heard about U2 especially, uh, the word was out that you, know, <clears throat> you were really out deeply there. into it and, uh, and, and spacey out there somewhere. And mm -hmm. you know, people shrugged their shoulders, obviously. But uh, it was okay. I mean, I'd, I'd, get, I'd be sitting back there drinking away, and the managers would come back and. Well, that's okay. Make sure he's okay to get on stage. You know what I mean? That was fine for, for an alcoholic. It's like it's a perfect place to be. You know. You what know, do you I, want backstage? You know, no, not let's keep the liquor down. Yeah. Give him what he wants. You know, so full bar. We didn't know any better. You know. A lot of us who were supposedly uh, involved in running the business have to ask ourselves, was there something we could have done mm -hmm. to have slowed that down? I'm sure there was, and I'm sure we all blew it somewhere along the line in not exercising, a, you know, I, the mentality of the times did not say to do it. The mentality of the times makes it easy for the commissioner of baseball now to say, you know, you're out. Uh, nobody said that to baseball players back in the 70s. Yeah, I don't think you can blame yourself. I really don't. Yeah. I've looked, taken a long, hard look at it after being four rehabilitation centers for drug abuse. And they just didn't have them back then. Yeah. And it was just, it was also cool to be that way. And period, there, w there were no facilities to send young Stevie to when he was out of hand. Yeah. And besides which, uh, people didn't really see the seriousness of it until yeah. Janice dropped. Yeah. You know, until Even then, the... the, the yeah right. The, where things are at, people are still hard to convince that like what it, what it's about. I mean, you know, if you have people around you who are sniffing coke but you know not killing not themselves dying, with it, you know, okay. they're okay. So how do you deal with that? We'll just yeah. give them make sure he gets less coke or keep a couple of bodyguards around him. I mean, when I one time I, I smashed up a car and fell off my motorcycle in the same week up in Boston. So the solution was have a bodyguard live at Joe's house, you know. And the dealers came in. As long as Joe didn't go out driving, he's fine, you know. So I spent a good part of that summer flat on my back eating opium. So, you know, that's what the mentality was. Just get him in shape for the, you know, for the tour, yeah. you know. Did, uh, would you guys have battled internally without drugs? I mean, would the, just the natural creative process have caused uh, the, the ongoing wars that uh, time to time rose up with you? I don't think they would have gotten as personal at all. Yeah. I think it, I mean we have our arguments now about yeah. about artistic things, whether it's the music or, or videos, and you know yeah. um, I'm sure that it's tempered with age. But even then, I know that if if it wasn't like we didn't have wives that were sitting there completely coked out and yelling at each other, and you know if we weren't 
well, you fucking asshole, I'm leaving. You know, that kind of stuff. And just go, well, look, you know, personally, we love each other, but, you know, like, I don't think that you're right about the tempo for this song. You know what I mean? It's like it's business. Those things. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> we would have gone through that stuff, but, you know, it's just like the big wall goes up when, you, when you're chemically... You just, you're so selfish. Uh, you know, it's, you're so one-sided when, you, when you're doing drugs and you crawl into a little hole. That, the, that that particular drug that you're doing makes and, and, that, and your hotel room, literally. And it's not, for instance, the secret to the success today is a manager of an even keel and a common ground. We all see what it is. One of the things that got me into my first rehab was Stevens fucking up. Um, and a lot of the wives, I, I remember, uh, look what you're doing to us. We're not going to have a paycheck if you keep being the way you are from the other people, you know? I would have never seen that. And when I was stoned, when I first heard that, I went, what? Uh, let me see, what are some of the things I thought of? Well, then I should be paid double. Find that important. Uh, ego. Uh, but now, it's like, God, if, I, if you knew, you told me Mick was in the other room right now, I'd say, excuse me, I will talk tomorrow. I would excuse myself. Just to get over there and say, Mick, man, what are you doing? The Rolling Stones is a thing. It's not just you and... I mean, I probably have no right and might get slugged, but I just would feel better tonight telling him, Mick, man, in 10 years from now, you're going to look back, you're going to have a good cry over the fact that you ain't with Keith now. Look where the role, you're going to be sitting back thinking what we could have done, you know, instead of the solo trip he's on. That's whoop-dee-doo, okay, what the fuck, where is Keith? You know, uh, getting back to this, uh, you know, now, looking at it, the reason the band is going to be, and I can say this yeah. now, it's funny, but in three, four weeks from now, you'll know I'm, this album's going to be, it's going to be a major single. It's because we've taken that cloak away of drugs. It's like, oh, there you are, Joe. And even his wife that he had back then when he was doing drugs, we were just all, all drugged out. We were really fucked up. Do you um, think the drugs did any good for you creatively? Positively. I think in the beginning, it, it, yeah. it Lifted some uh, inhibitions, you know. I mean, that's what it did for me, especially like alcohol and, you know, because for a while they work. They just, so you don't have to do a whole bunch of work to get your self-esteem up. You just take something, take a pill, a drink, you know. And I know it opened, opened things up for me. It put me in the place where I am now, where I'm sober. I mean, if I was drinking now, I'd be in a corner with a sheet over my eyes, you know. So it just does a reverse thing, I guess. But, yeah, in the beginning, I think it... It helped, and it—I know it hurt too because I don't think that I moved as fast as I could, you know, creatively. It—you you hit a wall, I guess, and that it, it starts to have diminishing returns for right. you at a certain point. You talk about Mick. Did the uh, comparison—you uh, know—the uh, people calling you whatever <coughs> they called you, the American Jack or something—that bother you at all, or is that a compliment? Or? Uh, it took me—it took a whole lot of years before I finally said. Some things. I mean, not not about you, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, no, I was going to say that for years, uh, he was my big idol. He was my idol. He still is to this day. I couldn't admit that. I hid behind uh, a lot of things. I just didn't want to say anything to the press while we were coming up. That that's where I wanted to keep it mysterious. And they saw the 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 lips, you know, and the Joe's black hair and the way I moved on stage. Nobody was dancing. I couldn't tell him. Yeah, I got that from Jagger. I said. Yeah, I do, I do that because there's nothing else I want to do when Joe plays. I don't want to sit down and start whittling a, a stick. It makes me want to get up and tap my feet and, and move sexy to the music. It's what gets me off up there. Um, 
but but uh, yeah, the Stones were were a major influence on me. But I couldn't get over also the fact that they would start an interview off with a Tyler, Jaggeress Tyler or yeah, you know, they, and they, they bring that up. I right just away, yeah. I just thought, God, you know, okay, you know, yeah, we look we're similar, and yeah, we're in the same type of band, and it's the same head is there, um, but. Can't they see past that? They're doing why if they're bothering to me. I thought God, they're they're really showing the whole world how fucking stupid they are and ignorant to start off. Because God, if they had the album, they'd see that we're nothing like them. Energy-wise, at I a concert, yes, but musically, physically, no. But they said that they, they would say the same thing. Sure, they would put us down because we were copying the Rolling Stones. We were copies, a cheap imitation. And I mean, I. I uh, for years, that's what got me going to being a lead singer. Was yeah, it was Jagger, and and a whole bunch of others. But he was the main focus. But I never got up there intentionally, you know, yeah. did his moves. Were there so some guitar players that you uh, you especially admired during that period? Oh, I like. I think I like guitar players more for their attitude. I mean, I, I like the Stones and Richards and stuff. Yeah. But uh, Jeff Beck was the one I, the, the one I, the next day I went out and bought a Les Paul. After I saw him play, you know, something about his attitude and, and, and his playing. I suppose I sat down and listened to his licks. Yeah. You know. Did uh, this comparison to the Stones as a band bother you at all? I suppose half of me really liked it. You know what I mean. Yeah. Another, another half was bothered by it, and uh, the third half said, "Well, we're better than that, and we'll rise above it." You know. I don't know. Do you, uh, Steve, I, have many? have any recollection of those those years where uh, Joe was out in his own and you were kind of just hanging out? Uh, was that a blur? No, not at all. I remember, uh, well, fuck him. It was how it started off in the beginning. It was, well, fuck him then. Uh, then, uh, <clears throat> um, we'll just get a couple guys to replace Brad and Joe, and we tried that. And then it just wore thin, uh, I didn't start admitting and coming right out and saying I'm just not as good um, this way as I would be with Joe and I really missed there's, Joe's got a street head and uh, and his opinions on certain things that I just didn't have for all the drugs I took I couldn't get that way because he is that way and I'm not and I missed that at meetings at staging I found myself having to stay extra time making up for what he used to just come out and go yeah well no fuck that and I didn't have to was always let's try it and try it and it was it was too much too many scars I was getting. I really missed him in that. And I also missed him I'd look over and see Jimmy Crespo who is a great fucking guitar player. But I'd look over and I'd say, God, this is just an imitation of Joe. I'm really looking at him through Joe Perry glasses and it was uh you know How was that time? I'm being I'm been told that that's one of the reasons my drug use got, you know, way out of worse. worse, you know. But I mean, you know, I, I was shooting point, cocaine yeah. when Joe was yeah. in the band, and uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. How about how were those years for you with the project? And uh... well, it was. Uh, I think it's not like a psychiatrist. I don't <laughs> need to do that, but it no, is. But it is a very interesting. Uh, there's nothing quite like this. I couldn't. I couldn't put Keith and, and Mick in it. I've done it separately. I couldn't put them in the same room. See, I know that. In, I know. I know as I live and breathe 
that, that when I went and saw Joe Perry and we weren't in Aerosmith and I'd never met him and I watched him play this fucking song called Rattlesnake Shake there was a piece and it went dum dum and the way he looked and the feeling that in all the groups I'd been in no one could capture it he had it naturally and I knew what it was and I wanted that so I knew after all these years that there was a certain magic that we had then that you take him away and I just don't have that magic you know I wouldn't have it with Beck I wouldn't have that magic and it was some kind of magic that was at the right time, at the right place, being fed by the right gods, whatever, it was just the right thing. And I'll, we'd ne I'll never get that back again. And I've come to realize that, and I'm going to live that way for the rest of this life, you know, with him. I, it wouldn't be uh, solo projects, yeah, but it just wouldn't be the same. We, we'll never achieve uh, the greatness that I think we were started out to achieve which is going to be huge again, bigger, beyond my wildest dreams, if I'm not with him. That's what I know. It's unfortunate that the word is uh, chemistry. I mean, that, that's chemicals. But, no, it's uh, good, because you can't put your finger on it and make a batch of it in your basement. Paul McCartney talks about writing songs with John Lennon, how they used to do it. And then you know, I say, well, you know, is there anybody since? He says, are you kidding? I said, where, he says, where am I going to get that again? Like, he says, I haven't written three great songs since then. I haven't three really good songs I've written with. He says, but it's not, it's not the same. And Jagger, I was sure going to find out this out without Keith, that it, it doesn't work as well. And how about you? I, I said, I asked that those were tough years. You were putting out some records. They weren't selling that well. Uh, well, uh, when I first started out, and we were just talking about this on the car over here, was because we had just done an interview. It's amazing to you know, talk with psychiatrists, but it's like really, you know, talking about, about those years, it starts to come back about it. And I remember the financial meeting, sitting there, Feeling on the spot. This is like after how many platinum records? Selling out Cal Jam and every every other venue in the, you know, and uh, you know to be told that I was broke, and I was in the, you know, I was like <clears throat> a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. So when I first, thought, why don't I do a solo album? You know, you know, I was still in the band. You know, and I was sitting there talking about it, and it was like like in the midst of, I think they were trying to tell us why we had to go out on the road, when Night in the Ruts wasn't done. It was a financial, one of our um, biannual financial meetings, you know, that we dragged them to it. Um, you know, so there's, there's obviously... regrets that you guys stoned up. That'd be like a movie. You know, I've got to pay my dealer. Give me a break. I don't have enough cash for that. You know, not like my investments, I go, you know. So anyway, the, uh, the thing is, I, I said, well, I'm going to do a solo record, and then... They said, well, sure, you can get an advance for that, but, you know, you got to finish this record and go out on the road. So we went out on the road and went back to New York, finished the, tried to finish the record. Stephen wasn't done with the lyrics because they put us in the studio, starting to, you know, doing studio time before the, the songs were done, which kind of worked a little bit before, but it was creeping up. I mean, it wasn't happening. And um, I just remember uh, sitting in my, in my, uh, my house up in Newton, and just talking to a lawyer about David Krebs and, and the band, and I originally wanted to audit Krebs and stuff and do the lawsuit business. I started that in like 1979 or 80, and just figure out where the books were and see what's going on. And nobody else in the band really wanted to pitch in with it, and you know, so it turned around that they kind of, kind of focus. I was pissed off at the band, and finally I said, well, I guess I can't play with those guys. And then they, my lawyer talked to, to their lawyer and. And we just stopped talking to each other, and I was out of the band. But at the same time, they voted me out, I guess, you know, for being an asshole, which I was. But um, anyway, 
it just was too, it got heavy and I so I started off doing songs I'd written when I was with Aerosmith like Let the Music Do the Talking Jack Douglas produced and uh, first reggae came out okay but I mean for all the good songs it sounded a little bit like Aerosmith but magic wasn't there then uh, the next record was just more of the same you know I, I got a really talented singer and songwriter a guy Charlie Farron you know who's in Fahrenheit now and uh, good songs but still didn't have it and at that point I was going well I want to play clubs and I really want to play clubs again you know and meanwhile the disease was really taking over because I was drinking really heavy I was going through a divorce and I left left my mansion in Newton to hit the road and uh, it just got worse and worse and I just kept playing smaller and smaller places and drinking harder thinking I was having a good time missing the missing Stephen more and more you know what was it, was it that finally uh, put an end to this craziness and and got you to decide let's let's make something out of our lives and our careers at the same time? What was there something that triggered it? Uh, All I remember is Joe called and I and I yeah. now that I got no drugs in me, I can really be honest. I went, oh God, he still loves me. Was that? I know. It's it. just that that oh. feels like oh man, wow. Where's Joe? Yeah. Joe? It was funny. <laughs> I know the few times we talked like it was twice a year I looked forward to it and it would be great it took me all I could do to get to talk to him I'd have to have three or four lines of coke and you know bottle right there to deal with it you know but but one thing that happened was that after getting you know like my ex-wife you know and going through that divorce and starting to think a little clearer I mean I had to shed a lot of bullshit you know but that was one thing that, that I started to realize how that was a lot of, that was clouding my thinking so much and and getting straighter and straighter it was uh, you know I started to see a little bit and, and I, I'm getting the impression running this record company has a lot of groups that I, and I may be kidding myself that almost everybody out there is taking care of business now and it's, you don't see people being poured in the back of a limo so much and mm -hmm. is it is it take care of business out there now that you guys are out touring or, or do you still see a lot of the craziness that Existed eight or ten years ago, not with you especially, but out out there in the in the rock and roll world. What are you asking? I'm, I'm saying, has has this business changed? You know, I, I see the Grateful Dead are all physical fitness people. Yeah, I got well, a band, Poison. There's another band like that. That I don't see any of the things that Aerosmith was into. And uh, I, you know, it's yeah. funny. You, you know, you mentioned these other groups that were, yeah. you know, just as fucked up. Uh, yeah. or, I th or I thought you were going to say something about when you saw that. What's the group? Walking through the tunnel and oh the eagles the, yeah eagles yeah you, you, oh they were a fucked up group was, yeah, but, but I, some of us yeah. got a lot higher than others I gotta say yes. that for sure I uh, I thought it was the coolest thing the reason there was nothing there, there was no uh, uh, I wasn't afraid of heroin was because it's gonna sound like I'm blaming him Keith made it so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was like so cool, man. It, Keith, my man, to this day, yeah. I think you know Keith is yeah. like it's really funny that, yeah. that I, I sit like I think that I still have these people that are like yeah. on this big thing. It's the way it is. It's great, I guess. But out there now, now yeah. I think that uh, they're still out there. There's a lot of groups yeah. that uh, that I'm told of daily yeah. that are they're getting that are fucked up, and yeah. because we got ourselves, we could because we were real ape. We were we were instead of chasing our tails, you know, we yeah. we've kind of gotten it under control a little bit and because we have you always think you want to be able to fix somebody else so when you hear that these other groups are, are doing this and that 
yeah. you have to just let go of it and say, well, though, or, uh, you know, kind of lend hand and say, well, we know a place that if you want to send them, they'll go yeah. uh, to, to see it. But <clears throat> I think there's a, there's a lot of groups around, well, the dead, if you want to survive, well, just physically, you talk to Grace Slick, and she says, oh my God, how could I even mm-hmm. think of that? I see James Taylor, who wants you can't to work survive. out the gym it's... all the time. These people... How many times like someone says, it's, you're a miracle to be alive, and, yeah. and when you're still doing drugs, you just uh, it's like, yeah, well, you know, but you don't realize how close to death you come. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to handle it this time around, when uh, this thing breaks through? Uh, I think uh, that what we have to do is... Not think of it as this time around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it ongoing is, saga. It is, it is. That's what it it's is. The that's ongoing one saga. Of, one of the things Ups we've learned downs. is like you know I'm starting to get a picture of it being like maybe being actually in, in the business for ten more years instead of like well let's just make it through this um, record company advance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the, well, thinking of the way of, of life. It's like you know and it's, trying to enjoy it a little bit. God, it's such a fucking beautiful way of life to be able to express yourself, to be able to sit down somebody's basement and come up with a not just a thought but a song and give it to someone else to have a song in your heart and a smile on your face you can't ask for anything else on this planet you just can't to be able to sit back and whistle a song while you're looking at your wife or remember just to have a song in your heart you just can't and to be able to create that that's serious shit man and I'm so fortunate that I can do that you know that it really is it's like Ten years, forget it. I'm going to go in the movies. I'm going to be a big fucking movie star someday. I just am. I'm not going to let it get in the way of the music, but I just am because I feel that's another thing I could pour myself into and fit like a mold, like a shoe, like a glove. Well, so I, I could. And it's just, when he says, you know, yeah, I look at it another ten years, and it's like, are we going to fall off again? I don't think so. I might. See, the thing is, I if might. we think about it like, well, you know, yeah, this record's going to do great. You know, if I think of it like, and hinge everything on that, you know, if I'm going to do that. You can't do that. It's like, it doesn't work like that, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I look at you being in the business so long, and, you know, a lot of people around me that I take, you know, I, I respect and listen to, and, you know, this, you know, this office was, you know, was here yesterday, you know what I mean? It's, that concept is, like, is working now, and and as far as staying straight, and it's like you stay straight one every day, you know, oh, and that's it. That, that's another story. You that's know, another story. But that's like that's directly hinging on me taking care of my kids yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. maintaining a marriage and all those things that, that really matter, you know. Thank In other you. words, we got to be surrounded, you know, constantly well, by people, you know, mentioned. Oh, there's got to be a support system. Yeah. There has to be a support system in, in your whole life. I mean, it, it, hey, people who haven't had problems that need that too, you know. Yeah, right. They, it's not just drugs.